Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Well, welcome to the living room. Um, but no, that, that video really, I think, gets us in the right mindset as we prepare for Easter next week. Um, but this morning, as you see, we get to sit down in a living room style conversation. And our, our thought behind this and our desire is that all of us would get to, uh, as we come on in partnership with Shane and Megan in ministry, get to know them better, hear their hearts, and how we've ended up here this morning. So with great honor and excitement, I introduce to you for the first time as our lead minister, Shane White and his wonderful wife, Megan White. (laughs) Yes, praise, praise God. So I got a real, uh, real tough question for them to start off with. You know, we're just going, we're just going right at it. So Shane and Megan, if you only got to eat one thing for dinner for the rest of your entire life, what are you eating? It's too easy. Skyline, anybody? Skyline. Listen, Skyline's my last meal food. It's what I always pick. I love it. I've been told I have a gutter palate, but uh, it's fine. I think Skyline's amazing. I would eat it. I do eat it multiple times a week. I love it. I can tell you what I'm not eating. Skyline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. I, mean, I like it, but I'm not. Oh, it's so good. Not on this level. How Small about three-way, two chili cheese sandwiches, oh, habanero cheese. How about the kids? Which which Skyline gene did they inherit? This one. <laughs> yeah, they so know. I lose out a lot, so I, I have adapted to liking it, but not. Oh, they know. That's okay. the right thing. So now that we got now that we got <laughs> the important stuff out of the way, um, tell us a little bit. You have a couple kids. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. Uh, we have two kids. Winnie is six, and Archie will be three on Friday. Uh, they're lots of energy, lots of fun. Winnie doesn't know a stranger, which is awesome for her introverted parents who know plenty of strangers, but uh, they're amazing. They're a lot of fun, and they're bright-eyed, and they love to talk to people, so did I miss anything? No, that's good. <laughs> awesome. So Easter birthday, Good Friday? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was born April 7th, 2020, which... He's a quarantine baby. He so was, he, it was wild. And he's <laughs> you made still it. three years later figuring quarantine. out how to not be quarantine baby, yeah, you know? It uh, was wild. It was a wild time. Um, he's our little miracle baby. There's a whole story there, but he, he is not quiet. You will know when he's in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think, code for that one. I'm like, he doesn't <laughs> know. He doesn't understand that there are social protocols people follow. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I got to meet their, their kids this week, and they are a fun bunch. They're just cool, cool to hang out with, very nice and goofy and mm-hmm. everything you want a little, little kid to be. So um, as, as we got, really get into this conversation, one thing that I'm pumped for in this new season of RSCC is all the stories that are going to be written uh, alongside Shane and Megan and RSCC and all of your lives, the thing that God's going to do in this place and out in our community, in your homes, at school, in your workplaces, there's going to be a lot of stories that get written, and those are to come, but what I want everyone to get a chance to hear more of today is the stories, some of the moments that have already happened, and and looking back at your ministry up to this point, and kind of sharing with us um, what that's been like, what that's looked like, and kind of what that journey's been like for you guys. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. 
Uh, we've been doing ministry for about 20 years, roughly. I've done everything. I was a youth worship minister for a long time, uh, helped build youth programs and develop the philosophy of worship for middle school and high school students and helping them engage uh, with God and understanding what it meant to follow Jesus. That was a big part of what I did. I did it in Kansas and in Kentucky. I've lived in Delaware. I was a worship pastor for a little bit. Um, I've been a connections pastor, an associate campus pastor. We've done all sorts of things in ministry, but the overarching thing that has been the reality of our lives in ministry is that we are just very, very passionate about people knowing, loving, and serving Jesus. There's a, there's a verse in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, where Jeremiah, he's saying, I don't want to preach anymore. He's, I don't want to be your prophet anymore. And then he says this line that is just great. He says, God's word is like a fire, a fire in my bones. I'm weary from holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He's saying, I have to continue. And in all the moving and in all the things we have done in ministry over the years, that has been the constant, that we just love God's word. We want people to know what God has for them, what he is teaching them through his word, and we want people to know Jesus. And that is what we have done for 20 years with passion and with calling, and it's been a joy. We've loved it. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool to be able to see how all of the, the roles, all of the assignments from God that you've had has led you to this mm-hmm. moment. And in a coming back story and able to take all the things that God has taught you and grown you in over the years and being able to say, hey, let's just go after yeah. this thing together. I think oh, it's really yeah. cool. Um, and, and as this new season begins at RSCC, uh, I want to bring you all on into the journey that led us to where we're at this morning. Because as you'll hear, as we go through the story, both from uh, our side of things and Shane and Megan's side of things, it's going to be very evident that God ordained this moment, that we are in this place today because God had a plan for us. So what I'm gonna, how we're going to do this is I'm going to kind of share uh, from RCC's perspective of what the last six months has looked like. And, and then Shane and Megan are going to get to share what the past six months to a year has looked like for them. And um, you're just going to see that there's a lot of really cool details on how God orchestrated things and, and made things play out and work out. So we ended up in this place today. So as you may or may not know, as we were searching for our next lead minister, the search was done both by our board of elders and deacons, and we also had a search committee that was made up of some board members, but also some of our core members um, from the church. That way we could have a a plethora of input and and thoughts into the search to make sure we were following God's call uh, over it. So uh, last summer as the search began, and for the first good bit of time, we were almost in a process of waiting waiting for connections to be made, waiting for logistics of a search to fully get underway. And as the months went on, the board and the search committee uh, were pouring time and prayer into our search. And earlier this year, there was a moment uh, where it had seemed like we had found the person that we were looking for. And as that played out, God closed that door very evidently as that was happening. And it was almost as if God was drawing us close to him and saying, Keep going. Keep going. So our board and search committee faithfully kept pursuing what God had for us and kept going, trusting that God was in control. A little bit of time after that, it, again, seemed like we had found our person. 
And again, God closed that door and almost drew us even closer, saying, keep going. I have something for you. Keep pressing on. So, trusting that God was in control of the board, again, continued to have faith that God was in control and faithfully kept going forward, trusting that God was leading us to where we needed to go. And then, at that point, we got the chance, the opportunity to sit down with Shane and Megan, and very quickly, very quickly, it seemed like everyone in the room felt a sense of peace and almost a sigh of relief, because it was evident and clear that we sat down with them for a purpose, that God had orchestrated that meeting. So as our leaders listened to the voice of God, one thing led to another, and we were in this place together this morning. And um, as I share that, you're going to get to hear Shane and Megan's side of things, and you're going to start to piece together things and be like, the hand of God was all over this thing. God orchestrated this moment this morning. So I, I want to turn it over to you, Shane and, and Megan, to share your guys' story of the past year and what radical faith has looked like in your life in yeah. this time. Yeah, I would love to tell you the story and to, to get the, the weight of what happened for us to come here. We have to go back just a little bit because after COVID, I was working at a church in Northern Kentucky and it was really, really good. I was overseeing the worship department, creating vision for the church, and it was a really, I loved it. I really loved the job, we loved the church, we loved the location, everything was really good. And then, as everybody knows, COVID happens, and it just really hurt a lot of churches. A lot of churches had to reorganize and figure out what they were going to do, and in doing so, we had to restructure staff, and my position was one that had to go. And so I was unexpectedly unemployed with no idea what to do. And what we did in that moment is we, we kind of opened the door. We said, God, what do you want to do here? We're, we're willing to go wherever you want to go. And we looked at jobs in Iowa and Massachusetts, Florida multiple times. We looked Illinois. We looked everywhere. And we talked to a lot of people, and all of it was really good. And there were opportunities we could have moved. But what we felt like God was saying in that moment, he just kept saying, stay close. Don't go away. And so I got an opportunity in Cincinnati on the east side in Milford, and it was a good fit. It was a chance for me to learn some new things I hadn't learned before. It was a, a chance to be a part of a church that, that needed to me to bring a little shot in the arm, but it was a healthy place, and uh, we went. We said yes, and we sold our house, and we were planning on moving to the east side of Cincinnati. That was the plan. And as, as you know, when you make a plan, God laughs. That's the old adage. We sold our house. Mid-March, yeah, and I think it was early April when the housing bubble hit, and so mm. we sold our house, and it, it sold, and it didn't even go in the market. Mm -mm, well, I sold. guess it did. It, it got listed, but before it was actually ever officially listed, I don't know the details of it. We just know we ran into our realtor the day they came to take the picture, so they showed up at our house, photographed it, and that afternoon, he's like, hey, I have your house sold, yeah. and we were just like, um, wait, what? You know, yeah. we didn't have time to process it, and <laughs> it was one of those things that we just, we knew, okay. This has to be the work of what, like, God is doing this because mm -hmm. there's no way we can do this. Even the yeah. best realtor in the world, like, that's an amazing feat. You didn't even have to do it, you know? Right. Um, and our house, it, it sold so quickly, so, and it was such an easy sell, mm -hmm. and it was such an easy process on our end. They were just like, don't do any work, don't do any, we just, we, it was, it was so evident that's yeah. what we were supposed to do. All was clear. But yeah. then, you know, two weeks into the packing and moving process, We've been looking for a house on the east side of Cincinnati at that point for about six weeks, mm -hmm. and the bubble hits, 
and housing prices. We just were watching on our Zillow app. These houses that we were seeing, you know, a year ago at one price were now double in price. And we're, we, start, we start sweating. We start panicking a little bit. <laughs> and we're going, okay, what are we going to do here? And we went into the housing search on the east side of Cincinnati, desperate, yeah. and making drastic, wild decisions. Oh, it was wild. Yeah, we, we ended up offering 10 times on seven homes. Uh, abundantly above what they were asking with no contingencies. We were waiving everything, no inspection, no appraisal, like whatever, just take our money and give us a house, please. Like I'll live in the shed in the backyard. Yeah, just let anything. Me. I mean, just give me a house. We offered on one house four times and our offers weren't even getting opened. It wasn't even that they were just like looked at and somebody made a better offer. They weren't even good enough to, they didn't even open them. And after 10 offers, we, it had been six months, I think. It was like June, July. Uh, we finally just said, all right, we're shutting well, it down. And we were living. Oh, yeah. Know, since he's working yeah. an hour away from home, essentially, and we were at that point homeless, yeah. we moved in with my parents, and he stayed during the weeks um, in northern Kentucky with some very dear friends. Mm -hmm. um, so his commute wasn't as bad because yeah. it was an hour and a half from where my parents live. And so we're living apart, and we did that for a while. And mm -hmm. on the weekends, we'd get together, and we'd rush to see these houses because, you know, you have to be first in line, and you have to you just, it was wild. And yeah. it felt like our family was in such distress, and we knew, we kept saying, this is not God's plan for a family. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what the process is, we, we, this isn't it. Like, whatever the outcome is going to be, this process isn't what he has for us. We just mm -hmm. knew that. Oh, yeah. And so we had to rein it. We, we pulled it back. We said, okay. We have to stop searching. We have to wait and see what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so we lived like that for about four months. Mm -hmm. We kept searching, but he ended up stepping back at the church to working from home. Mm -hmm. um, and he stayed with me, with the kids, at my mom and dad's, um, here in Rising Sun. Well, they live outside of Rising Sun, but Rising Sun. And um, we were just sitting here going, what are we doing? Like, what is this? Because our heart is to be a part of whatever community, right? We don't want to be a part of a church and then live an hour away. It just doesn't make sense yeah. to us. But we kept thinking, this is not, you know, there were some people who were speaking to us saying, you know, do you think the enemy is getting in your way? Do you think that the end, we felt like we have dealt with that. And we've also had absolute affirmation from God when we're mm -hmm. doing what we know we're supposed to. And we, we thankfully are able to discern that a little bit, right? And we were able to say like, this is, we're confident this is God. God is saying, do not move to Cincinnati. And we yeah. were like, we don't understand, but okay. <laughs> and so he didn't move to Cincinnati. We, mm -hmm. we pulled the search back, and we um, would go to things in town or family events, and we'd run into people who would say, well, you know that one house in town's for sale. Have you thought about that? And we're like, why would we move to Rising Sun when he works in Cincinnati? Like, which we didn't understand, but we also didn't understand why we weren't moving to Cincinnati. So we were like, well, why not? <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, there was no reason at all, but we had enough people saying, go see this house, just go. And we said, all right. And uh, we, we called a realtor in town. He said, listen, if you go see this house, you're going to buy it. And I said, I, we said, no, we're not going to do that. We're we just want to see the it. People. We're going to go see the house. Yeah, we're we're going to, you know, make our, make our parents happy to say we're yeah. trying, but we're, we're you know, and <laughs> we walked in and we, walked we immediately in, were immediate. like, Oh, this is our house. Yeah. This is our house. And it was not the kind of house you walk into and you're like, this is our, no. It, we were like, oh, shoot. <laughs> did <laughs> did the, the realtor yeah. have like a fresh cookies in the oven? No, no, no. There no, were no, no. no cookies. There was, there was, was, um, there was We just, we knew, 
walking in the door, we don't know why. We have no idea what we're going to do, mm-hmm. why we're going to do it, other than God's telling us, move here, move to this house, yeah. and just wait. And that was at the end of summer last year. And so it had been a really long, really treacherous summer. It was really hard. Um, we were living separate. Our kids were desperate for time with him. He couldn't give that to them because we were trying to be good parents and find them a home to live in. And um, we reached that point at the end of summer where we realized it was the first time since he had lost his job that we felt absolute confidence and Mm -hmm. that peace that doesn't make sense, that Mm -hmm. biblical sort of peace. We said, okay, we don't get it. We don't understand it, but this is the house we're going to buy. And I mean, we even did this crazy thing where we made the offer on the house on like a Wednesday, Mm -hmm. got on a plane on Thursday and flew to Florida for a job interview. Because we were so unsure of what was going to happen. And we yeah. were like, we have to make sure we're opening all these doors. God, God's showing us to do something. We're going to do it. He'll let us know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. And we went to Florida. We did the interview. And it was in a community that anybody would give. Like, you just would give anything to live in. Oh, yeah. And we just couldn't. We couldn't. We just didn't. We knew it wasn't right. Yeah, we were sitting, uh, we were sitting at the in-ground pool in our Airbnb in Florida. <laughs> Ten minutes from the <laughs> Ten beach. Ten minutes from the beach. And the church was amazing. And I knew people. And it was really, really good. And we were just sitting there going, we very clearly hear God saying, go to Rising Sun and wait. And so we did. And it was very painful because there was, there was nothing. It was like laying down train tracks as you're driving, on the, driving the train. We, there was just, no, it made no sense. But we said, yes, we, we live by a philosophy that we give God our yes, no matter what is ha- happening. We don't need the details. We often say it this way, that we live our life uh, like jumping off a cliff and hoping there's water at the bottom. And that's what we were doing. We were saying, God, you're saying jump. So we're going to jump. And we bought the house. We came back from Florida. I actually had the job offer in Florida. And we turned it down uh, just to buy this house and with no plan yeah. at all. Uh, and in the midst of all that, she, she had said that there was a psalm that she had been studying. And I'm going to read the first half of it because this is what our life felt like. David captures it so brilliantly. This is Psalm 13. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemies will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's what it felt like. Throughout the Old Testament, you know, you, you see like Moses telling God, no, don't, don't spare the people, don't wipe them out even though you want to, because what are the enemies going to think when they look and they say, oh, God took them out of Egypt just to destroy them. And I kept praying that. I'm like, what have we done? Did you take us <laughs> yeah. out? Like, why are we? Because it wasn't yeah. just a house. It wasn't just we couldn't find a building, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, four walls to live in. Because we had that at my mom and dad's. They had said, you can be here as long as you need. You know, there was no rush in that. It was that we felt like we were so detached from the body, from the kingdom. We just felt like we were on an island because he was, we were, we were just unattached. Mm-hmm. He was in Cincinnati. We were in Indiana, and we just felt like this was an uphill fight. We couldn't get past, mm-hmm. and as hard as we were trying, as loosely as we were holding all of these expectations, and he just wasn't giving us the answer until we realized the answer was keep waiting. Yeah. Um, and that was a really hard answer to um, except, <laughs> um, but we did, we, we, we bought that house, we moved in, we started the renovating process and it was 
it is mm -hmm. a process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yep. we, have, we, we waited patiently to see, at that point, still not knowing, you know, is God going to keep us in this house to live here excitedly and to do ministry in town? Because we were looking at maybe starting a benevolence ministry. Mm -hmm. We'll start a Bible study out of our house. We'll do something, right? Mm -hmm. But is that it? Or, you know, is he going to have us flip this house and we'll sell it? And then that, that's when the opportunity that he's had for us opens up. We, we really didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had no idea. Um, but some of my favorite words in the English, English language are, but then. Because so much happens after but then. And this is what's amazing. Is one random Saturday, uh, one of your elders, Josh, gave me a call. And he said, hey, um, you want to talk? <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I would love to talk. And very quickly, I mean, it was immediate. We just knew this is what we were waiting on. Because um, the rest of that psalm, this is what David says. He, he's angry, right? He's expressing his frustration, his fear, his doubt. And then he says this. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And yes, he has. Whether this happened or not, this is what I want you to hear. Whether Josh ever calls me, God was good. Yeah. Whether this ever happened, the joy that we have as followers of Jesus is in our salvation. And that time of stripping it away and getting down to nothing for us reminded us that our joy was in Jesus, that he is alive and we are free. And then God showed us his faithfulness. It was so fast. I mean, like he said, when we sat in the room, it was a no-brainer. It's no doubt. Our passion and our desire for how we want to do ministry lines up with the way the elder board is leading this church. What this church wants to do in this community is what we want to do in this community. Yeah. It's why we moved here in the first place. We want to bring life and hope and the joy of Jesus to this town. That's why we came here. I mean, last summer, we would come to town and we would take the kids to the park and we would just mill about doing a little bit of nothing yeah. and we would run into people from time to time and we would hear that we know why don't you guys just move back here why don't you just you know move here and he'd kind of laugh it off he's like no nah, I don't I don't know that that's an option for us you know and then we we like recognize this now that early last summer I feel like this is a you know a big deal that his heart the switch flipped mm -hmm. and he started to kind of entertain this idea of moving back and that's when this conversation about the house came up and he kind of like why am I feeling this way right and you know we had heard that rising sun uh, you know he knew Nathan pretty well and so we were aware of what was happening here but it would seem like a pretty closed door at mm -hmm. first and so we grieved that and he said I don't understand God putting this this thing in my heart switching flipping that switch in my heart so suddenly and so drastically mm -hmm. um if if we're not supposed to be here right and so when we're, you know, we're buying this house and we're starting the renovations, he's like, I don't understand. We, we have to do something in this town. Like, we'd run into people out in the dollar store, you know, mm -hmm. and we're um, all sharing our dollar store woes in that moment. <laughs> and, we're, <laughs> and we're just, I kid, I'm just joking. But we would just say, we're like, these people just, they're, they, they desire, there's a community here that is so desperate for the hope and the light that Jesus brings. And we were like, we want to bring that with, mm -hmm. we want to be part of that and we just don't know how 
And he, like, we really did. We had this kind of grieving process of, like, what is going on here? Why are we feeling this way? Why did this happen suddenly? Why do we feel the way we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've said, you know, if this all had kind of come together last year in the summer or even in the fall, it, it wasn't right then. Mm-hmm. The last year of our lives, and I think maybe the same thing for the church the last six months, we had to walk that we have been so refined in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we say, like, we, what we do know isn't changed just because of what we don't know. Yeah. And we do know that God is faithful, and we do know that God is good, and we do know that God wastes nothing. Mm-hmm. And so while we didn't know anything, <laughs> we no. just kept clinging to that, that he is going to do something big, whether it's, whether we're here for it or not, something in this town is going to be good, and something mm-hmm. in this church is going to be good. And, yeah, we just mm-hmm. kind of clung, on, clung to him. And I, we just say that, that this last year was worth every tear and every um, crying out and, honestly, despair mm-hmm. because we, regardless of this outcome, we trust him, and we know that he is good. That's right. Yeah. And you just sang it. That's the thing. You just sang these words, and I don't want you to miss them because... I'm going to talk about this a lot. Like I said, I was a worship pastor for 20 years, so I'm going to talk about worship a lot. And it's important. The corporate worship experience that we do together as a church, it matters. It it, it changes our hearts, and it helps us focus on what God is teaching us, and it helps us push the praise where it belongs, back to him. And you just sang these words. Even when I don't see it, you're working. It's not a passive you're not just singing that because you know the melody. You're singing that as a prayer that even in the midst of pain and sorrow and grief and doubt, God, I know you're working because of what comes after that. You're a way maker. That's what he does. He makes a way. He makes a way through the wilderness to get to the promised land. That's, that's what he specializes in. And we have to be able to trust him with open hands. And we've learned that so much this year. And uh, many of you who've been in this church for a long time, like when I was a kid, there was a song we sang called Refiner's Fire, if you remember that song. But what that song reminds us is the process that gold goes through to become pure. It's the same thing we go through when, when God is putting us through these trials, right? James says, I count it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds. This is what happens. He's refining us. He's removing the impurities so that we can be used for his glory. And that is what has happened coming to this point. Definitely. And one, as you're sharing that story, one thing that was going through my mind is, is almost how the entirety of it was simply the Lord being a lamp unto your feet. Yeah. And when you have a, if you picture literally walking through a forest at nighttime, you have a lamp at your feet. You might see a little bit in front of you, but you surely don't see where you're heading. No. So you guys were trusting that this little lamp in front of you that the Lord was placing in front of your feet, hey, I'm going to take this step, take this step. And like you said, and one thing that came to my mind is when you reach your destination, the lamp illuminates it because you're there. And in that moment when we got to sit down together, the board and Shane and Megan, the lamp was illuminating the destination. Mm -hmm. And in what didn't get illuminated before, what wasn't made clear before was, hey, this is is what it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. We've arrived. Um, I just think your story is so beautiful of just trusting in the midst of uh, not knowing, in the midst of not seeing where God was taking you, being like, God, I, I know that I've heard this from you, so I'm going to follow this, and I'm going to let you work out the rest. I'm going to let you work out all the other details, and 
I respect that. I, mm -hmm. I honor that with you guys because mm -hmm. that's an honorable thing to do, and it's not easy. It's yeah. not an easy thing to do, yeah. for sure. Um, but man, am I glad that we are here in this place together. And there's just so many little details throughout the story that point to the fact that God ordained, orchestrated all of it. I, you know, the, earlier this week, I was getting ready for this morning, and um, I was just curious. I was like, oh, I wonder how many weeks we were without a lead minister. So, you know, I go back, and I'm counting week by week, and I, I finish counting, and I, I start to tear up because I counted every weekend that we were without lead minister, and it was exactly 40 weekends. And immediately, I was taken to the stories in Scripture where Jesus is led into the wilderness for 40 days. The Israelites are led into the wilderness for 40 years. And for 40 weeks, we were in what you might call a wilderness, in a place where we have people coming in and speaking, giving awesome messages, but as a whole, we were without lead minister. But God, but then, God showed up. He, he took us to the end, to the destination, and we're able to look back and say God was in control the whole time. There wasn't a single moment over this past year, guys, where God has left us, has forsaken us, has turned his face away from us. He is faithful to the end of the times that we experience. So, man, it's just encouraging to get to see how God brought you guys here and how God has faithfully been leading and guiding this church since, it, since its beginning in the 1800s, which is crazy to say. But I'm excited for the times to come and, and all the stories that are going to be written. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Thank you for trusting God. Thank you for taking a step of faith when it didn't make sense and, and knowing that God was going to work out what he was going to work out. Um, so as we uh, begin to wrap up our, our living room time, um, I want to uh, do something that will kind of lead us into our time of worship. I'm going to invite all of our elders and deacons up to the stage. And what we're going to do is we're just going to take a moment as a church to pray over Shane and Megan uh, because we are going to be partnering with them in ministry. Just as Shane was saying, we all desire the same thing, that everybody in southeast Indiana and to the ends of the earth would know that Jesus is the king of the universe, that we submit our lives to him so our faith would lead us through every day that we, that we have here on earth. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. So uh, we're going to be up here. If you're in your seat, uh, you can just reach out your hand towards Shane and Megan as we pray over them. If you're watching online, just reach out. It might feel silly at home. Just reach out your hand, and we're going to pray over them as their ministry uh, gets underway here in Rising Sun. So would you bow your heads with us and pray? I believe uh, Roy is going to lead us in prayer if you pass the wireless mic to him. But we are going to go ahead and pray for Shane and Megan. I'll pass it over to Roy Walters. All right. As a congregation, we want to welcome these folks here. Happy. <laughs> it's been a, a time of trial. And uh, not only for you, but for our leadership, for those who are leading us today, for Adam, for uh, our congregation in prayer. And we just want to make sure that we express our thankfulness to God and to you. And so we, we pray over you today. Father in heaven, uh, we are so grateful that uh, you have delivered this family to us. Thank you, for Lord, for leading them. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for closing the doors that you did as we were struggling along. Thank you for always being there, Father, for us. We, uh, we didn't see it at times, and I'm sure Shane and Megan didn't feel it at times, but we have confidence, Lord, in you. We know that you are a good God, and you are always looking out for the best for us. 
So we now we welcome this family to our community, our family. They, they're not like they have never been here before, Lord. They are, are a part of this Rising Sun community. So as they serve you here, as we continue to serve you here, Lord, we ask your blessing. We just ask that you would continue to be with us, guide and direct us, give us your wisdom and understanding, Father, that we would always be able to know that you are lighting our way. You are the one who is illuminating our path. Thank you, Father, for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.